0: Here's the host of the Talent Talk radio show, the founder and CEO of People G2,
1: Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, uh, Anna. thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, and it's 1 o'clock, so we are live. And I really appreciate you coming in to join us, as we have two fantastic guests that we've lined up today to talk to. If this is the first time you've stumbled onto our program, uh, whether it's knowing one of the guests today, or maybe through social media, or you've listened to another episode and you popped in, Maybe you're not quite sure how this all works, so let me kind of break it down for you. Uh, As I've I've had the privilege of meeting so many of these inspiring leaders, whether it's uh, through conferences or speaking engagements or maybe just stumbling upon them on LinkedIn, I really kind of put this together so that um, instead of me having the opportunity to speak to them, you could have the opportunity to hear and, and learn from them, and all the important things that they might be doing, what their companies might be doing. So the show is really designated to get or designed to give you that opportunity to listen in, learn something, and hopefully maybe take something back with you to your company, to your home, to your own personal life that you can use, you know, down the road to to help you in your own situation, deal with talent better, help your company grow, whatever it may be. As I said, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but most of you actually come in and access us through iTunes or listen to us on iHeartRadio. So uh, for the last several years, we've um, sort of been averaging about uh, 10,000 people a day that, that download a podcast uh, from one of the different uh, platforms. Uh, that kind of translates into quite a few if you look at it from a month or a year. So really appreciate everyone who comes in uh, as we go the hundreds of thousands in a month and, and millions in a year. Uh big thank you to everyone who's involved in the show. Um, and, and what's really important is we'd love to have interaction. So uh, if you're on Twitter, uh, we'd love for you to tweet us a question, uh, ask our guests a question. Uh, you can go to the peopleg 2 Twitter. You can find us. So we live tweet it every, uh, every Tuesday, and we also include who we're talking to. And you can, right from there, ask us a question. We'd love if you can put in the hashtag talent talk so we can find it. And if it's live, we try to work it into the into the show. So Uh, Feel free to reach out to us there. All right, let's go ahead and... Now we've got all the business out of the way, all the explanations covered. Um, Let me talk to you a little bit today about who we're going to be talking with. Two guests today. First guest will be Christine Rowe, the Vice President of Human Resources for the Washington Speakers Bureau. And then uh, we'll take a little commercial break. And then after that, we'll have uh, Pierre Franco, uh, Director of People, Operations, and Culture for the company Freshly. Um, So we'll, we'll get to him in the second half, but... Since we're in the first half, let's go ahead and uh, bring Christine in and uh, welcome her to the show. Uh, so, Christine, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, you know, kind of the, the, the quick quick version, the, the cliff notes of, of who <coughs> you are, and, uh, of course, what you're doing now uh, and what maybe a little bit about what the Washington Speakers Bureau does.
2: Sure. So I've been in, we're out of Alexandria, Virginia. I've been in the D.C. area for about 11 years, have been in HR for about 20, um, starting off at the very bottom, um, fell into the career, um, thought I wanted to be an elementary school teacher and discovered uh, human resources. Um, Washington Speakers Bureau has been around since about 1980 and we connect um, different thought leaders with companies to deliver speeches uh, all over the world. And they they currently have brought me on board to be the VP of HR to really kind of not only just look at the tactical side of HR, all those important pieces, but really bring it to a more strategic level.
1: So before we get into some of the HR related stuff, you know, maybe kind of dive in a little bit deeper with uh, what the company does. You know, are are you looking at bringing, you know, thought leaders that maybe most of us haven't heard of? Or are are you leveraging some of that political and star power that resides in there in Washington as well?
2: All of the above. I mean, we definitely have a, a large portfolio of uh, recognizable political speakers such as George Bush, you know, Colin Powell, and, and we're always looking for new um, speakers um, that do fall within the thought leaders, innovation, leadership, um, you know, such as Amy Cuddy's, uh, the Adam Grants. And so it's a real, it's a real diversified collection of speakers that we have. And we really, we truly want to inspire our clients and our customers um, to connect with them and to learn and to take away from what they have to offer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've been, you mentioned some good names there. I've been chasing Adam Grant now for quite a while trying to get Hopefully. him on the show. We, we talk about him all the time and we mention his books all the time. So I've been trying not to hold that over his head, given what his books are about. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd one to weave, but. Anyway, so as the VP of HR, you have a lot to do with the strategic alignment, I imagine, of of what your organization does. So maybe talk a little bit about what it takes to ensure that the people really function uh, within the corporate vision and that, you know, strategies align, but you're still kind of taking care of people. How does that all work within your organization?
2: I think one of the key things That, you know, whether in our organization, and it's been key here, is really ensuring that you have the communications, um, that we're working very closely with the executive leadership team and they understand you know, what their objectives are, what their goals are from a business perspective and where they want to drive the business. And then from, you know, an HR perspective, we're coming in to work along with that, um, with those goals and ensure that they really are aligned, which it's a cliche, but it really takes communication and a lot of communication. Um, to make sure that what I'm driving at, like, for example, if I I want to create a training program, which we've done and we we're continuously doing here at WSB, I have to make sure that it fits in with the goals of where the ELT wants to take the company. And I do find sometimes HR, you know, is over here, and they're just making sure that, you know, the people are paid, they have their benefits, various things like that, and they're always looking at different ideas and maybe even share them with the, you know, the CEO. But it really needs to be that continuous flow and conversation Um, and having the understanding that not all their ideas are going to be accepted either. You know, that might not work um, for where we are right now.
1: Yeah, that's always uh, an interesting kind of uh, tightrope, I would say. Maybe we at HR and I think the CEOs as well really kind of have to to walk in that you want people to bring their ideas or suggestions. You want that open line of communication, but yet we can't do all of the things. We can't take on all the ideas, and sometimes their ideas are, are not so good.
2: <laughs> no, and, they, um, and a lot of times the ideas, they may fit other cultures. They may not right. fit every single culture, um, that each company wants to stand behind either. So you have to really be thoughtful about what ideas you do bring in. It has to make sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and, and the question is, is how do you do that and not possibly, you know, make them feel like they're not going to bring their idea next time? How do you facilitate, you know, culture of ideas and communication with and and still be able to say no when it's time to say no? And that's that's kind of use it as a tightrope analogy. It kind of fits best, at least in our world. Um, Absolutely.
2: I mean, it, yeah. and a lot for me is, is a lot about transparency and honesty. I'll tell people up front, I mean, we want to hear your ideas, but that doesn't mean we can implement every single thing you come to the table with. Um, so I think when you give that expectation of, you know, bring us your ideas, we, we have to make sure it makes sense, it has to go through a variety of different, you know, whether it's conversations, meetings, etc., or we'll be upfront with people saying that's just not going to fit, I think employees appreciate that and always following up with them to let them know where their idea stands as well.
1: Now, you said a, an interesting word, which is transparency, and, and it's one that I've been using for a while my own talks, but uh, to be quite honest, I was recently challenged on the idea of transparency, and I've started to rethink it a little bit, and so I'd love to get your opinion uh, do you, do you think organizations can actually get to the point that they really are transparent? Or do you think what we're really talking about is not transparency, but clarity?
2: You know, that's a good question. Um, You know, I think when it comes to transparency, we do use the word, but obviously not everything that happens in a company is going to be for open, you know, open, an open book to every single um, employee. I think a company does have to be thoughtful about what they are going to share with the employees and what they can bring them into and be honest about why they can. And to your point of clarity, I think that does play into it. I think transparency is a word we use. Um, we don't always live up to it, but I think, on another mm-hmm. hand, we also don't communicate what that means for each company. You know, for one company who's publicly traded, it could be all the financials. For another company, it could be the CEO. It's just a complete open book. Um, each each company needs to be thoughtful as to what that means to them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I had a friend jokingly tell me, transparency means you're standing there naked. Clarity, <laughs> clarity means I can see you, but you might have some clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> and you know i thought that's a pretty good way to describe it so
2: it is true you know, i mean you do have to you do have to communicate those expectations because you do end up breeding a level of employees who have a sense of expectation that they get to hear everything they get to know everything and they get to be part of everything and that's not always realistic in all situations with a business yeah. right yeah
1: i mean there can be hr related issues in Absolutely. that right um what do what somebody knows or doesn't know about somebody um, there can be uh, public if they're a publicly traded company. If you have those types of things, there are things that certainly can't be released, can't be talked about. You know, there are some restrictions there. You can have confidentiality agreements. You can have things that your clients tell you that you can't tell anybody. So, you know, the idea of transparency—it sounds great. But I'm just starting, <laughs> starting to rethink that maybe that's the wrong word. That it's about being maybe it's you know so transparent about what you can be transparent about but i I think i'm starting to use that word clear clarity a little bit differently so anyways i appreciate you kind of going off scripture with us (laughs) no problem yeah so maybe you talk about how difficult it is um or maybe you know how long it takes to really find that right talent to align within your company's vision because you you, certainly sounds like you know what your culture is about and you've got there's kind of different moving pieces. Yes, it, is it a difficult process? Is it a long process? What does that kind of look like for you? You
2: know, for us here at WSB, um, it can it can sometimes be longer, um, and sometimes it's really quick. Um, so it's really a balanced, um, but it is really we do start from the very beginning with uh, the messaging that we put out, you know, on our careers webpage, on our um, job positions as to what our expectations are, who we are as a company, and really, you know, have the type of relationship with our candidates to ensure that they are um, aligned with who we are as a company. And we've had candidates tell us honestly that's that's just not for us, and that's great. Um, wish you the best of luck. Um, rather would have that type of scenario than hiring the wrong person. Um, but, you know, honestly, it can sometimes take, you know, we've had we've been able to find people within a month. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer depending on the position. Um, we also have to continuously look at what, we're, what the message is we're communicating, what kind of people are we looking for, and where are we looking for them as well. It's, a not, it's an ever-going. I, I think with HR, one of the things that you have to recognize is that you're never, ever done with, you know, constantly evaluating how you're doing things you have to always evolve and, and recruitment is one of them
1: yeah absolutely and it can it can be kind of positional right I mean some positions might go a little faster than others oh, but sure. it sounds like you know you if, you if you understand the importance of that fit I do notice it does it seems to take companies a little bit longer maybe longer in but um, you end up keeping that person for a longer period of time as well as opposed absolutely. to fast in and fast out. Uh, yeah, which... I mean,
2: culture fit, I think, is, is absolutely key. Not to say skills. I, I don't necessarily always – I know there's a lot of uh, literature out there about, you know, you can train um, for skills as long as you have these certain competencies that are a culture fit. I probably would be somewhere in the middle. I do still um, believe that skills and experience is extremely important. Um, yeah. But culture fit, you know, without a doubt, if you're not looking at culture fit, you can really miss miss the mark.
1: Yeah, and it's really – uh, for positional, I mean, there are there are certainly ones where uh, you need some high technical, at, you know, acumen. You may need a certain amount of energy, and there's certainly positions where, yeah, you can teach that stuff. So, sure. it, it you know, it may maybe in sales you do one thing, and in a customer service you do another. I mean, it's, it's certainly it can really run the gamut. But uh, you know, from a training and development perspective, then you know, so you've got them in the door, you've identified them, I they think they're a good fit for you. And now it's time to train them and develop them. Um, and you have developed, really, and implemented this sort of holistic training program. Um, can you can you talk about what you feel that kind of makes that successful then?
2: Absolutely. Um, first off, um, with any kind of training or any ongoing, you know, HR, people-related process, um, it's not a project. It's an ongoing process. So, you know, when we say we've implemented something, to me, it just means – that you need to continuously assess and move forward and make sure that you have the right thing in place. Um, one of the approaches in having me come on board is, to me, training wasn't just a one and done process. It's it's looking at how different people learn, um, having the budget, of course, um, that can support you know the flexibility, having an online platform, having the flexibility to create our own content, um, creating our own onboarding process, um, also utilizing the resources that we have, which are our speakers. And we've been able to do that to utilize their expertise and have them come on board and do training sessions, um, allow the flexibility for employees to guide and, and mold what they believe is what they could benefit from. and and have them work with the managers. But I've even added um, something that I think is really neat. We also look at what employees enjoy to do. You know, it's not just about, you know, skills are really important. Don't get me wrong. And we always are continuously looking at what skills we need to make the business successful, soft skills, you know, hardware skills, various things like that. But we also want to, you know, put in some fun as well. You know, a lot of our employees want to learn a different language. So if we're able to allow them the ability to do something that's fun, um, as well, along as long as they're continuing with their learning path, then um, we think that's a good thing. They can benefit from that and they can be engaged.
1: Yeah, and learning a, a new language is a fun one. I mean, if you can get uh, if you can get that one going in your company on a regular basis, I'd love for if my staff wanted to learn a new language all the time. That, that kind of really oh, expand your mind. It takes time. And, you know, <laughs>
2: that's the, yeah. probably one of the biggest challenges time right
1: is time yeah yeah,
2: yeah. Well, having it's... the time and supporting that time and and that's something that i'm continuously and i will need to continuously look at with all of the hiring managers they need to be they need to buy into this as well the you know it's not just the executive leadership team it's not just you know the company. You know CEO. It's all the hiring managers, all the all the leaders in the company to buy into this and support their employees to take the time. You know whether that's you know having a room that they you know we have dedicated that they can reserve to dedicate an hour, you know a day a week, whatever this may be. Um, you know tying into their um, performance management just to keep it in check to make sure that they are not only learning and learning the skills that we need them to learn, but that they're actually being granted the time to do so. So that can be challenging as well.
1: Right. And you always have that balance between,
2: you know, how
1: much time do you allocate for for that idea of mastery of them working to improve themselves and how much do they need to you know, be working.
2: (laughs) No, and and, and to your point, I mean, you you create these systems that have all this flexibility 24-7, so we don't want to send the opposite message where you go home and we're expecting you to spend, you know, six hours doing all this training. So it is a definite uh, fine line. Um, I also do very strongly believe in um, training as voluntary, you know, strongly encouraging um, employees to participate, but whenever possible, to make it on a voluntary basis because you get a higher participation rate.
1: Hmm, That's an interesting kind of uh, adjustment there that it's a bit of semantics. But, you know, if you're kind of putting people in a position where they feel like they're choosing it, I guess that gives them a greater sense of ownership of it and feeling like, yeah, I mean, nobody wants to be forced into a training they don't think they need. Absolutely.
2: Uh, And we we definitely um, have them work with their manager as well to outline, you know, what are some skills that they would like to see that they think would fit in with their role. So when you have the employee and the hiring manager buying into it, um, I think you have a greater success of uh, someone completing it and participating right.
1: in it. I know. Uh, looking at your your LinkedIn profile, you talked about the need to restructure the message that the company uses as a key to setting expectations, um, which in turn is is helped in, in kind of reshaping culture. So, can you talk about how and why you know this is really going to be achieved? Uh, you know, sort of as an uh, maybe an overall outcome that you might have.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think here, particularly at WSB, um, one, of the, one of the challenges I had coming on board was really taking a business model and, and advancing it and, and being more business-driven. And as part of that was reshaping the culture. And one of the things that I had great success in working with our leadership team is that they already had a great message and and, 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 and re- having them recognize that they didn't have to abandon their message. In other words, it wasn't necessarily changing what they were about or what they were doing. It was just setting those expectations and making sure they understood where that message was going into the future. Um, things can change, obviously, over the decades. So, you know, I really enjoyed working with them and having them understand that, you know, your message is great. Your culture, you know, the vision that we have is great. Let's just make sure that we... Um, are always continuously communicating what our expectations are with our message, with our vision, um, to what we expect in 2017.
1: Right. Well, and as you're communicating that, one of the interesting areas that, you know, I hear HR sometimes kind of complain about is they feel like they are the police or <laughs> viewed as internal affairs than in the company, you because know, they do have to deal with some of the, uh, maybe the, the the problem children uh, within a company, um, and if you have a few, maybe if you have a couple bad managers who've or managers have done a poor job, let's say, in bringing in people and they've you know had some issues. That suddenly you can kind of be thrust into that role when maybe that's not really what you intended or where you really want to spend your energy. So, how, how does HR change that image so that they're maybe more looked upon as a business partner, as an advocate, as someone who's you know helping the company and its employees you know be its best instead of you know. The one the one putting them in detention.
2: absolutely. We carry our badges around um, you know, inspecting people's dress codes, et cetera. I think again, it really it, it really evolves from working with um, it always flows from the top. You'll always hear me say that. Um, working in conjunction with the CEOs, the executive leadership team, and really making sure that what I'm proposing and what I want to do and achieve is in line with WSB. And and for me, it's about trust and treating employees as adults, making sure your policies, your team manual, whatever you may call it, isn't is in line with what your expectations are? If you want to create a culture of trust and collaboration, having a team manual or policies, you know, documented, you know, outsteps in ten ways that you can, you know, get into trouble and what we do to fix it, um, is probably not going to align very well with that. And having, you know, as an HR professional, understanding that it's not always about black and white; it's about grays, um, and having those conversations. And yes, we do have to have difficult um, conversations. If we if we if we have a situation and people aren't, um, you set those expectations from when they they first start. If they're not following through, or if it's not a good fit, then you do need to offboard them pretty quickly because they can really set the, you know set off the balance of the culture that you're trying to create.
1: Yeah, and that's a great point to highlight that you know if you realize that it's just not working, if you realize that this person isn't getting it right. I mean, it's the gray area is really hard to explain. Yes. You might be, you know, you're just not dressed professionally. And they say, well, I don't get it. I This is perfectly fine. And everyone everyone else in the company looks at them and says, nope, they're not dressed very professionally. Yeah, maybe it's just time to get rid of them quickly instead of trying to wait through that if they just don't seem to get it intuitively. And that's hard for a lot of companies. They want to keep retraining. They want to keep talking. They want to keep doing. But sometimes the best thing is just well, – we, we didn't do we didn't make the right hire here it's time to move on and get somebody else and that's I
2: agree and, it, and it's yeah. typically it's a two way street as well I mean I think sometimes as companies we forget that these are you know these are people that we're dealing with and that we're working with and they have their own lives their own sets you know they come with their own stories and even though they may be shocked and, and maybe hurt that this is not a good fit um, I think both parties end up being better for it and being, you know, honest about it up front and and sooner rather than later can and put both parties in a better position for success. It's hard yeah, to it was, do, though, I will admit. It's 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 sometimes yeah. easier said than done.
1: I was recently in a really big technology company that's in uh, Santa Monica area, and, you know, I walked in through there and everyone there was dressed very casually. It was that, That's very much a part of the culture. And yet, there was nobody dressed... You know inappropriately, or you know they didn't look like they were bumming around. It was somewhere between you know casual and you know but it wasn't dressy until so i I thought to myself, how do they know like what, how do they know what where 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 to kind of fall in line and then now thinking and listen to what you're saying, it's probably that they get it, and those that didn't get it didn't last <laughs>
2: absolutely absolutely and, and and then also you know creating you know ensuring that you set those expectations during the interview process as well. So, you know, anyone coming on board knows what to expect and, you know, whether this is even a good fit for them. I mean, I think as a company, you know, every single person who applies is obviously not going to be a good fit. Every candidate that applies knows they're not going to get an interview at every single company. It's really a matchmaking. You want to make sure you have the right um, the right personality, the right culture fit. Um, and setting those expectations, I think, up front um, can also be helpful you know, setting yeah. people up with buddies, you know, making sure that they, you know, there's a variety of different techniques, you know, bring, when you bring them on board, you know, once you go through a new higher orientation, it's not about just ignoring them at that point as well, you know, continuously, you know, evolving them into and integrating them with the culture, so you can find out these
1: things um, a little bit quicker too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're almost out of time, I want to make sure we ask your okay. last two uh, very important questions, the first one is, is there a book that you're reading right now you might share with us?
2: I am reading a book, and it, it coincidentally happens to be one of our speakers' books, uh, Micro Resilience. I believe it just dropped today, uh, by Bonnie St. John and Alan um, Haynes. And I haven't finished the book; i um, about a quarter way through it. Um, but it's really it's an interesting um, way to approach how you you know how you manage your workload and how you manage your life throughout the day, instead of just looking you know what's way down into the future. You know, looking at the different pieces and how you can um, be better and work more efficiently. So it's a very interesting so. Far, it's been good.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a great book and a brand new one for uh, all the listeners to check out. Um, yes. As a reminder, we do, we'll do put this up as a blog post as well. And we'll put that link in there in case you didn't have time to write it down. Um, and then the last question is, um, how can people learn more about your company? Maybe they want to work for you. Maybe they want to come and be a speaker, whatever it may be. What's the best way for them to find out more about your company?
2: They can definitely check us out on our website at um, uh, Washington Speakers with a S. Dot com they can reach out to me via LinkedIn um, I do go by the name Christine Ebro um, or they can reach out to me uh, via email at Christine R at Washington speakerscom
1: well thank you so much uh, Christine for joining us uh, you know, here on the show today I think the listeners got some good takeaways and maybe hopefully use some of that in their own careers so uh, again thank you for being on the show hopefully we'll have you back at some point and you can give us an update I really appreciate it thank you so much. All right, we're going to have a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with our second guest, Pierre Franco.
3: Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months, and the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Donate. Volunteer.
1: Invest. Hire. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Um, If you're just joining us, you missed a great interview here with uh, Christine Rowe, the VP of HR of Washington Speakers Bureau, but you can listen to that in its entirety on iTunes or iHeartRadio once we publish the podcast here in the next week or two. You can always check us out at talenttalkradio.com. Uh, we're all over the place so no excuses not to go back there and uh, listen to your favorite episodes uh, next up on the show we have uh, Pierre Franco who's a director of people operations and culture for freshly um, as a reminder if you want to get in a question just go ahead and tweet it to us and use that hashtag talent talk if you can fit the at people g2 in there as well that really helps us find it um, and we'll try to work it in but uh, Pierre welcome to the show
4: thank you I appreciate it. it's uh, great to be on the show
1: so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, give us the kind of the recap of uh, who you are and how you got here, and of course, let us know what, uh, what you're doing over there with Freshly.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd like to describe myself as an atypical HR guy who loves people and enjoys business challenges, and I'm currently the uh, Director of People, Operations, and Culture at Freshly. Um, the organization launched uh, 2014 and it's grown tremendously uh, over the past year. Uh, in fact, in 2016, we grew a little over 500 uh, percent, both in revenue and headcount. And it's uh, very exciting to be part of that growth. I'm currently um, situated in Phoenix, but we'll be relocating my family to New York in the summer.
1: Well, that'll be quite a quite an adjustment. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> absolutely. Maybe, maybe maybe for anyone that doesn't know, can you describe what what Freshly does? I mean, what do you guys do? What do you guys sell? Or what, what's sort of the you know, if someone was needing your help, what would they be, need, be looking for?
4: Absolutely. Yeah, so we sell meals that have been prepared and cooked uh, by our organization, and the meals are uh, don't have any preservatives. Uh, they are meals that come prepared uh, in alignment with the paleo or paleo food diet, uh, however you want to pronounce that, uh, which means that they're low in sodium. Uh, they're delicious. We try to use natural ingredients to uh, make these meals flavorful. Um, unlike um, you know some of the other folks who are out there we're not sending you incre- ingredients to cook yourselves these meals already come cooked and all you have to do is simply reheat them for a couple minutes and enjoy a wonderful meal
1: uh, sounds like a certainly a good place to be I know there's a lot of uh, companies out that really looking to tap into that specialty market for people that want you know great food even in a very particular way you know whether that's like you mentioned paleo and there's, I know there's a lot out there that do it in different ways so Sounds like an exciting business. Um, you know, and kind of looking back at, at your, you know, your, your history, I know you identify yourself as someone who wants to redefine traditional HR. So what does redefinition look like? Um, with everything going on in politics right now, that might be a loaded question, but uh, in, your, in your mind, what does redefinition of HR look like?
4: Yeah. So in 1997, David Ulrich uh, published a book titled HR Champions, where he tries to give definition to what HR looks like now and what it will look like in the future. Um, and so he really does a great job, I think, at identifying what that strategy looks like and, and moving forward. Uh, because it was published in 97, there are things that he doesn't mention. But for me, I, I like to take it a little step, you know, a step further than, than just defining what HR looks like and uh, what it should be in the future. Um, I think oftentimes HR folks get caught up in this world where uh, they may believe that they are very much administrative or policymakers, uh, the, uh, the corporations' police, so to speak. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a part of that mindset. My mindset is that all HR professionals should be, should be business professionals first. And the example that I like to use are medical physicians. Um, if you were to take uh, twelve different, you know, medical doctors or professionals, uh, you would find that all of them have a pretty good and general understanding on how the body works. But then you find that some of them are specialized. Right? Some of them are cardiologists, ophthalmologists, uh, you know, neurologists, and so they have specialty functions. And so when I think of redefining HR, I think of making sure that HR professionals understand that they are business prof- professionals first, which means that they should have a general or good understanding of how a business works and operates, but that rather they um, specialize within that business, uh, within HR. Um, I think for far too long we've tried to force our way you know, into, into the business, meaning that we wanted a, quote, voice, uh, we wanted a seat at the table, whatever other euphemisms you want to use, uh, but we kind of miss the mark oftentimes in not understanding the business, which is why we don't often get ourselves the seat at the table. When we come to understand the business, how it operates, how it functions, and understand that we are a specialty function within that business, uh, we're, we're all the better for it. So redefining HR – is part of that is is getting HR people to understand, hey, you are a business professional first.
1: Well, and that's a great kind of a segue from what we were talking earlier um, in the show about HR sometimes feeling like they are the police or internal affairs or what have you. So um, it almost feels like that should be a separate function or a separate part of the organization that whether it's a different person or maybe that responsibility should be ultimately or mostly back with someone else because really where hr seems like it's really headed is in in really helping the company meet its goals help people be more productive really Mm -hmm. focusing on engagement those are all positive fun things and then yet we are the ones brought in to fire someone or to reprimand them or write them up or whatever it may be and that's uh can really be a real juxtaposition i think you know at times Yeah, and I I think kind of what you're seeing.
4: Yeah, you know, and I don't want to take away from some of the things that have to be done. Uh, You know, when a business gets into a tight situation, sometimes they have to, uh, you know, go to a reduction in force, or sometimes they may have to close business units. And I think that's part of the business, part of our job or our function as HR professionals, is that we do have people that uh, work with other leaders to, you know, terminate or. or, you know, fire someone because they're not doing their job well. Uh, unfortunately, not, not everyone is meant, or fortunately, I should say, not everyone is meant to work at Freshly or Google or whatever organization is out there. Um, you know, everyone has skill sets that are going to bring uh, positive results and, and uh, a better affect great culture in, in those different organizations. And so I don't want to look at terminating someone or, uh, creating a policy is something negative sometimes those things are not necessarily great to go through but at the end they are a, a positive result for the organization and oftentimes for the person as well as you know we're working with human ad- with adults not not children or, or puppies or um, you know kids in high school uh, in, in business environments these are people who are trying to shape uh, for life uh, I know one of the things that uh, I was asked a couple weeks ago from another uh, another organization is, you know, how do you how do you get people to realize that uh, their development means a lot to the organization? Well, you, you don't look at them as an employer of, of your organization. You look at them as a holistic person, meaning that you want to set them up for success for the now and beyond. Uh, and that means that you have to work together with other business professionals within your organization, whether that's finance, operations, marketing, sales, uh, where you help people flourish as improved and developed persons in their world right, and as high performers within your business, and as a result of our engagement with them and our mentorship and coaching, accountability and instilling of our values and our investment in them, they grow, they, they mature, they, uh, they improve as human beings.
1: Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right, and that's always a struggle for companies that, to look past that, you know, you may be developing someone who's ultimately going to end up leaving you, that's going to end up, you know, promoting into another organization, and so... You know yeah if they had to make that decision I like really looking at to develop that person holistically o- overall at, with knowing that that might mean that that none is not a place for that person forever um right. and um, some so, some organizations struggle with that, and it kind of kind of inherently kind of turns in on themselves a little bit. I know um you know looking at your title, I'm wondering you probably always have to have a vertical business card it's a, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty substantial one the director of people operations, <laughs> and Culture but uh, it sounds like you're really tasked with aligning uh, the strategic vision of the company with the talent that you've hired really to maintain. So w- what does it take to make this a reality so that your company can really continue to thrive, especially, it sounds like, in a very high-growth situation that you're in?
4: Yeah, um, that's an excellent question because uh, really where HR adds its value is in aligning uh, our strategy with the organization's strategy, right? And aligning people uh, within that strategy. So. I think part of what we do uh, in order to make that happen is we hire people who are passionate about health. Uh, you know, our, our mission is to make it easy for customers to eat healthier, and so we want to hire people who are passionate about doing that. We hire people who work hard hard and smart, uh, and those who are selfless. You know, we, we hire people who more closely align with our values. Uh, I, I remember talking about culture uh, a few months ago with another organization as well and how important culture is to the organization. Um, Laszlo Bach, in his uh, book, uh, Work Rules, talked at length about that and how uh, there are three uh, aspects of, of culture. Uh, at his organization, it was um, you know finding a compelling mission, being transparent, and giving people a voice. Um, and so you, you really have to make sure that you have focus on culture. So one of them, again, is hiring people who more closely align with your values or people who are passionate about what you're doing work hard and smart and people who are selfless. I can't stress that selfless um, part enough. Um, We want to hire people who work hard, uh, smart. (laughs) I came across this quote, um, and I thought, uh, how ingenious. But if we only had worked hard to continuously improve the candlelight, we would never have the light bulb. (laughs) So there has to be this balance between continuous improvement and innovation. So you don't want people who just work hard. Uh, That goes without saying But you also want people who can work smart and come up with ideas for the future. Um, When we talk about, you know, folks who are selfless, uh, there's a book out by Simon Sinek, uh, and he talks about leaders eating last. You know, being a a former military veteran myself, uh, selfless service is one of the Army's core values, and we talk about that a lot, and we live that out. And so, uh, and I'm going to quote his book here, but he says, Leaders would sooner sacrifice what is theirs to save what is ours and they would never sacrifice what is ours to save what is theirs. That's true leadership. And so when you're hiring people, whether at the leadership level or at the employee level, um, you want to hire people who are selfless and not just thinking about themselves. The business strategic vision is, you know, to also revolutionize the food industry on a global scale. So our focus is health and, and convenience and value and flavor and so forth, and our foundation is customer experience and enrichment. And so as the HR team, we help add value to the business when we hire folks who will help create that, right? Create, make, ship meals that are delicious, healthy, affordable, convenient, and so on. Um, we also want to hire folks who more closely align with our values. Not Again, not everyone is meant to work at, at Freshly. Um, and so when you when you bring people into the organization that help to align with that culture, uh, that's how you help to bring people into the organization that then align with the strategic vision that the company has set,
1: yeah, and, and you guys are really charged with you know being a high growth um, type of scenario, and then, and with that, I mean, there's a lot of good things. It's exciting, uh, you know, you're a lot of energy, but it could also be a lot of hard work. It could probably be some unpredictable hours, and unpredictable schedules, and you know, there can be things that can be difficult for or really challenging for employees to handle. So how do you really create then a workplace culture that is dynamic enough and really wants it keeps people focused and energized and, and really on target so that they're really engaged, maybe despite some of those other negatives that come with growing 500%, right, or having to move your family from – phoenix to new york or whatever those 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 challenges may be for for each of you how do you really make that all happen yeah
4: well first and foremost you want to uh let people know what you're about right it's it's that that why people want to know why they're coming into work Uh, once they know that why well then we empower them to create fail think big take ownership and deliver results if you can create a culture where that's happening where you're empowering people you know to take ownership and, and, you know, with some degree of autonomy, make things happen, and and when they fail, you're not beating them over the head, so to speak, but rather encouraging them to go out and learn from their mistakes and try something new, they're going to want to come back. In addition to that, you know, we build trust with people and leaders. We, we educate them. We provide some, some training and development, and we give them time to learn. Uh, you don't just dump knowledge and expect them all to absorb it. Uh, we give them time to learn, and we check back in, and we – You know, we give them that education again if it's needed. Uh, We understand that accountability isn't just an annual review. Uh, You know, it's. I think, (laughs) I think times for annual reviews are far gone. People want more ongoing feedback, feedback, regular feedback, and accountability isn't just for managers to subordinates. It's it it goes both ways, Uh, and that that lets people know where they stand. And so, as we're growing and people are working some ridiculous hours and and back to back schedules because. Uh, you know, sometimes we need to get orders out as we're growing and, and trying to do things as safely as we possibly can. You want to create and foster that environment where we're listening to what they have to say. Uh, if, if we as leaders are asking them to do something that is perhaps not necessarily the, the best way of doing things, that they feel free to call that out. Um, you know, and not only that, but from our leaders, we, we want to protect insecurities in public and coach through those insecurities in private. I, I don't think a lot is said. Uh, in regards to leadership about that. We all have insecurities. We all have things that really hold us back from being strong, effective leaders. Uh, But it takes oftentimes these strong HR pros to come in and really uh, acknowledge uh, the fact that we have those insecurities and deal with them in private. Uh, We listen. We mentor these leaders. We coach these leaders. We guide and counsel. And we also challenge the traditional or limited thinking that sometimes our leadership has, including ourselves, um, we love people through their imperfections, um, and as we grow, we celebrate the small wins how, you know, or, or big wins. Uh, no matter how small these wins are, we celebrate them, and then we come back the next day and focus on, on improvements. And so um, as you cultivate this type of culture where, yeah, you're working some hard hours and we don't have necessarily a lot of capital to invest in, uh, say, automation, for example, and a lot of the things that we're doing are currently manual, uh, that's tough. Uh, it's a cold room environment where a lot of our production employees are coming into. How do you get them excited about coming into work? Uh, you know, as leaders and as a company, we understand that we're imperfect and when we have to be, we're, we're self-deprecating. Uh, you know, we're authentic and genuine when, when we need to be. Uh, we implement practices and, and methods and policies that take into consideration our global diversities. You mentioned that. You know, where, where we're living today is is very unique. It's a it's a different time, uh, you know, with what's happened politically. There are a lot of things going out there, and so we want to make sure that uh, we're placing, you know, attention to those types of things. What are people passionate about? Look, if, if you were to poll 100 people, um, I don't know how many people you'd get that say work is their number one priority in life. Uh, I could talk about family, friends, faith, health. There are a lot of different things that are important to people, and oftentimes work isn't necessarily the number one, and we get that. Uh, we want... We want them to know that what's important to them is also important to us. Uh, We don't do business at any and all cost. And and so the times, you know, where we need to be more effective and efficient and sharp uh, means that we we want people to take time off, for example. Uh, We don't want to give them, you know, a a raised eyebrow when they're asking for two weeks off or a week off. We want to encourage them to do that. Uh, As we look at societies in Europe uh, and Asia and South America where, you know, time off is essential for people to stay sharp and, and healthy, I think in the U.S. we've we've come to understand that working ourselves into the ground, you know, those times are behind us. And, and employers are trying to figure that out. They're giving more uh, leeway, and and uh, you know, they're providing more benefits around maternity leave or paternity leave. And so you have to think globally while operating locally. And then I think more importantly, we live our brand and our values. If if people don't see that, they're going to call you out for a fake and a fraud and they're going to want to leave you as quickly as possible, right? And so it's important that you live out your brand and values as an organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you summarized it uh, pretty well. So I um, really appreciate you kind of putting that into a little bubble for us. Um, I want to make sure we, we did kind of a chance to maybe talk a little bit about your time at Amazon. Um, I think I noted that you had you had said that changes in HR strategy led to a reduction in employee um, relations issues, leadership growth, and internal promotions. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what were some of the things that you guys did at Amazon there to be successful to bring such a dramatic shift there.
4: Yeah. I spent four years at Amazon, and, uh, boy, I can't tell you how how wonderful uh, of an experience that was uh, with all its its great times and its challenges that that I, I uh, embraced during those four years. There are a lot of things that Amazon does well and does, you know, uh wonderful um i would say that some of their struggles or challenges are around people engagement and leadership development and so when i came into the organization i realized that amazon was one of those organizations that really allowed you to try different things um to test theories uh, to go out and fail and learn from those failures um and so when i came in uh to one of the fulfillment centers which is where i started initially I noticed that there was a lot of what I would have called Investigation Nation. A lot of people were drowning in investigations and a lot of employee relations issues. And I thought to myself, having just come from an organization that implemented uh, true TPS lean manufacturing, a lot of my time as an HR professional in that organization was spent on the floor with employees. And so we as a team started to focus heavily on people engagement. Meaning that we were taking more time to build trust with them, to build strong relationships with the employees, with the leaders. Um, when people see their leadership out on the floor, and, and that could be applied to the healthcare industry, sales, you name it, that could be applied across uh, various spectrums of industries. Uh, they understand that you have important work, that you're busy, uh, and so when you're spending a lot of quality time with them, they feel that they're important. They feel that they can bring concerns to your attention they feel that they can let you in on what's going on and and perhaps some rumors going through and you know dare we use the term unionizing whatever is going on that's leading people to want to take adverse action against your organization against your organization you're finding out about these things well ahead of time so that you're not so react uh, reactive and so we started to really get all of our leadership out into the floor more which reduced a lot of the employee relations issues that we were having in addition to that Uh, we really invest the time in developing uh, inexperienced leaders. So Amazon, as uh, other companies do, they hire a lot of uh, college grads. And we would be remiss if we didn't, you know, sit down and really think for a second that a lot of these, you know, young folks coming out of college have very little to, to no leadership experience, and oftentimes as more, Experienced leaders ourselves, we kind of wish that at a you know, snap of our fingers that they'd grow up and they'd, they'd mature and that they'd learn how to treat people overnight, and that's just not going to happen. So we started taking time uh, to, to work with them to observe how they were interacting with people out on the floor and give them feedback almost instantaneously, uh, real-time feedback to let them know, hey, let's talk about how you handled that situation and how we could have done that better, um, and so that was also another um, thing that we focused on was investing time in, in developing some of our more inexperienced leaders those were some of the things that we started to do that we noticed to, you know started to really turn the tide uh, with regards to employee engagement and the reduction of employee relations issues uh, which was a dramatic shift because when I first came on board in 2012 there was a lot of talk about how you know we were needing to get away from um, you know attacking people so to speak we came up with an acronym, Uh, which we use as APEP, Attacking Processes and Engaging People. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, what an amazing opportunity to go in and affect that. And that's what we started to focus on. Later down the road, when I was given uh, a couple of different business units to oversee, that was the focus that I then presented to the HR folks that worked with me. This was going to be our our main bread and butter, which was to get out there and really engage folks, uh, teach them about our, our leadership principles, uh, invest in inexperienced leadership, earn the trust of those who are already there. Um, and in addition to that, some of the things that we started to to, to do, which I'm not going to say works for every organization or every industry, at least with my team, we started to implement a thing where we brought food, uh, one meal a month for all employees to share. I think if there's one thing that transcends culture, it's food. <laughs> there's something powerful about sitting down and having a meal with others um, and I don't know that, you know, we could, we could talk at length about how different cultures do it, but food is a universal language. Everybody loves to eat. And so time shared uh, together around a meal is, is powerful. We, we found that. Um, our, you know, leaders would sit down and eat with employees, and they'd love it. Uh, you know, and we went months without employee relations issues. And when they did surface, we dealt with them very quickly, aggressively, and compassionately.
1: Well, it sounds like you uh, really did a a great job there kind of implementing that new system in Amazon. uh, It's been fascinating uh, to kind of hear the two different uh, approaches and things that you're doing with uh, Freshly and and previously with Amazon. Uh, We're just about out of time here, so I want to make sure we ask you an important question. You've mentioned a a bunch of uh, other books that uh, people can check out, so we have time for just one more. Maybe we'll make sure uh, if people are interested in learning more about Freshly, maybe they're interested in your uh, having that uh, service delivered to them, or maybe they're interested in, in coming to work for you guys, uh, what's the best way for them to, to check you out?
4: Yeah, so they can go out to www.freshly.com. Uh, we are hiring. <laughs> so as we're growing, we're obviously in need of people to come work for us, uh, great talented people. Um, and if they want to learn more about Freshly, it's the best way to do it. And they, they can also reach out to me through LinkedIn. And I'd be happy to, to talk to anybody and, and uh, receive Uh, you know, folks that are interested in working for us. Uh, Mike Wistratch is our CEO. He's uh, an amazing person. Um, He and all leaders are super passionate about living healthy and and more productive lives. And so come check us out. Go on to Freshly.com and and learn more about us.
1: Well, Pierre, thanks again so much for being on the show today. Uh, Really uh, learned a lot, and hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the great things you guys are doing.
4: That would be amazing, and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: All right, thank you to both my guests for being on the Talent Talk Radio show today. Uh, hopefully, you gained something that you can use your own your own career. Um, next week, my guests will include Hal Stewart, the director of HR for Hangar 24 Brewery, and uh, let's see, Cheyenne uh, Mashtian, head of uh, uh, platform division uh, Live H2H for iTutor. So, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. Mm-hmm.